Okay. This week's parsha is Parsha's Vayeshev. Uh, the Pasuk says in Perek Lamed Zayin, Pasuk Yud Gimel and Yud Dalad. Vayemer Yisrael al Yosef. Yaakov Inu says to Yosef, this is after he had his dreams and after his brothers went to um, shepherd the sheep in Shechem. Yaakov says to Yosef, Look, your brothers, they went to, uh, to pasture in Shechem. I am going to send you to them. Yosef answers Yaakov and he says, Hineni, I am here. Vayemer loy, and then Yaakov continues, Lech achecha, Go and see the uh, the welfare of your brothers, the welfare of the flock, and veshivani dover, and bring me back word. I want to know what's going on. Tell me what's the situation down there. And then the Pasuk says, He sent him from the Amek of Chevron, sent him from Maris Machpelah, and then he went down to Shechem, and that is when all of the problems started. That's when, uh, of course, they, uh, they were going to kill him, they threw him in the pit, they sold him down to Egypt, and that's when all of the, uh, the events unfolded uh, by Paitifar and by Parai, um, and that brings us to, uh, that's going to pretty much bring us uh, to the end of this parasha and halfway through the next parasha. The question that I had on these two psukim is that if you examine the second pasuk, it doesn't really seem to be anything very new. Go and see how your brothers are doing and how the sheep are doing. Isn't that sort of what was understood from the first Pasuk? The Pasuk before just told us that, that Yaakov says to Yasef that your brothers are shepherding their sheep in Shechem. I'm, go down there and uh, I'm going to send them to you. What do you think? What, what was he sending them for? What was he sending... Yosef to accomplish. Obviously, if he's telling him that your brothers are grazing their sheep in Shechem, so obviously he wants to know how things are going. What's the matzav? And then, you know, and then he continues and he says, "Go and see how the sheep, how your brothers are doing, how the sheep are doing." To me, it sounds like it's self-understood. I think we could have understood that just from the first pasuk. If he's saying, "Go and check out, go visit your brothers in Shechem," that means that go see how they're doing, how the sheep are doing. What exactly? Is uh, is the pasuk doubling down? Why is Yaakovinu going and saying again uh, after he already told him what he wants him to do? He says that he just maybe clarifies it a drop more, but it doesn't really seem to be adding much to our understanding of this mission. If you look in Rashi on the word hineni, which is uh, the word that Yosef uses in response to his father's request that he go down to Shechem. So Rashi says on the word Hineni the following. 
Lushan Anava Uzrizas. The Lushan of Hineni, whenever you see, like with uh, Yitzchak, with Avram by Akedas Yitzchak, he says, Hineni, it's a Lushan of Anava, it's humility, it's modesty, and it's also Uzrizas. It's like together, it's like being modestly Zariz. Zrizas means I'm going to, uh, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it excitedly and with passion, but I'm doing it humbly. Hineni is I'm submitting myself to your will, and I'm going to do it with all of my might. And Rashi continues, Nizdari's Lamitzvah's Aviv. He was Nizdari's, he, he excited himself, he, he was able to fuel and passion himself to the mitzvah of his father, Yosef was no fool. Yosef understood that he was not winning any popularity contests with his brothers. He knew that his brothers had it in for him. He knew that his brothers hated him. The Pasuk says a few times in this parasha how much they hated him, and it was no secret. In fact, the Pasuk said before that they, uh, the Pasuk even praises the brothers because at least they weren't um, they weren't uh, hypocritical. They hated him and they let him know it. They didn't they could not uh, find it in their heart even to to fake it with him. With him. When they spoke to him they, it was all very evident how much they despised him. Rashi says that even though it's not a good thing but we also learn that they were they were very genuine. They weren't they weren't medaber achas prepare, v'achas believe. They didn't have one speaking out of both sides of their mouth, like really, you know, very very sweet to his face, and then when he's not around, stab him in the back. They were they were very pivoly by shavin. Their their mouths and their hearts were on the same page. But Yosef, as a result, very much knew that his brothers did not like him whatsoever, and here he's being sent by his father to go down to Shechem. Shechem was always the Bermuda Triangle for Klal Yisrael. It was a terrible place to be. It was all with, with uh, Dino was down there, and then there was uh, you know Shimon Levi destroyed the whole town. It was a it was always a place like Rashi says Muchan Leperanis. It's always a place that's earmarked for bad. Shechem is never ever a good thing. So his father was sending him literally into the lion's den, going down to Shechem alone, a 17-year-old boy, going into a place without his father being there with him, and just being left to the uh, whims of his brothers who despised him. But yet, despite that, he said, Hineni, I, I accept, I will do this. Dad, you want me to do this? I don't know if it's, uh, if it's the safest thing. I might not, uh, maybe I should really get myself an insurance policy at this point, but I'm not, I'm not stopping. You tell me to do it, I'm going to do it. That's how Rashi understands the word Hineni, the response of Yosef to his father. And I think as soon as we see this Rashi, we're able to sort of get a better understanding of the flow of these psukim. Again, Yaakov says in Pasuk Yud Gimel that, that I want you to go and um, I want you to go and I want you to, uh, to visit your brothers in Shechem. Okay, that was uh, obviously that, what did, what did he want them to do? He wanted them to see 
He wanted Yosef to see how they're doing and how the sheep are doing. He had reason to suspect that the sheep were not doing so well, but we're not going to go into that. And then he says, Hineni. All right, that should be the end of the parsha. But then it says, Vayemer Loi, he continues, Yaakov, and he says, Lech Go and see how your brothers are doing and how the sheep are doing and let me know. Come back and let me know. What prompted Yaakov to continue saying this? Because he understood by the word Hineni, the way Rashi understands Hineni, that there was something very much disturbing Yosef about this command that he was giving him. How are you sending me down to Mitzrayim, to, to Shechem, to see my brothers who hate me? You think, any, is any good, could any good come of it? And they're going to, not only that, but why am I there? They'll understand the reason why I'm there is because you sent me down there to do what? To check on the sheep. You want to see how the sheep are doing, if they're all intact, if they're, if they're being washed properly. And that's not going to endear me to my brothers more. They're going to say, oh, now you're going to snitch more on us? You're going to tell dad about like that the sheep are not exactly uh, being tended to as well as they possibly could? So this was the, the implicit question in the word hineni. Hineni, I'm, I'm going to do it. I agree to do it. I'm humbly submitting myself to your will. But there was something, obviously, if he's saying hineni, clearly... It wasn't a yay, it was like, okay, I will do it. But it's not, he was going very begrudgingly in a sense, because he knew that there was something that was very dangerous about this mission. Yaakov Avinu understood this. And so Yaakov Avinu gives him a little bit of advice. And I think it's, not a, it's an amazing piece of advice that he gives him. And I think we're going to be able to take away a very big lesson from it. He says, you're worried about how to deal with your brothers. You're not having a good relationship with them. Things are really bad between you. There's a lot of bad blood and divasamra, accusations, hatred, jealousy, sibling rivalry. I'm going to tell you how to diffuse this. Lech when you go down, you'll see, es shleim achecha you don't go down and immediately start saying, okay, how's the sheep doing? Uh, let's take an inspection. Let me, uh, you know, what's the number? How many, how many sheep came down with you and how many do we have left? Oh, so where, what's the difference where, you know, start being an accountant and taking inventory of the sheep and, and the condition and getting at your stethoscope and, and seeing how, uh, how each sheep is breathing. The first thing that you do, says Yaakov Avino, you know, when you see your brothers, you go and you find out, you go and say, and you acknowledge, and you tell them, and you speak to them with brotherly love. You say to them, you're my brother, I love you, I, I come in peace. And hopefully, if you do it sincerely, it's going to melt away all of the all of the tightness and all the tension and all of the bad blood if you can open up and, and instead of immediately cutting to the chase and getting to the sheep, and what you should first do is, before anything, is you'll be, you'll go over to them and you'll say, Shalom Aleichem, you're my brothers. I love you, you're my brother. 
after you say my brother, now you're going to basically take away a lot of the a lot of the differences, a lot of the tension, a lot of the animus will go away, will dissipate, and then eventually you'll be able to schmooze, and and then when you're schmoozing, you'll discuss the sheep, and then and they won't even feel it. It's going to be like a, a harmless, you know, conversation when it comes to the sheep because. Originally, you're not coming down with your with all uh, you know with with the guns blazing. You're coming in as their brother, and you're saying first shalom. This pasuk is a response to the word hineni. Originally, Yaakov just says, "Listen, go go see how your brothers are doing, how they're doing in Shechem." You're nervous about hineni. You're saying hineni like, "Okay, but I really I'm scared. I'm going to give you the trick to how to get around it." Lech nara and then after that, then you'll discuss Shleim Atzayim. Now, I wanted to say that this is Yaakov Avinu consistent. This is consistent with Yaakov Avinu's behavior and, 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 and Hashkafa in terms of dealing with people. Where do I see that else in the Torah? So, if you look um, a couple of parshias ago, when Yaakov Vinu comes to Charon, and he was looking for a shidduch, so he was looking for a shidduch, and he went to the well, and he saw he saw that um, that there was uh, uh, a lot of shepherds around this well in Charon. And there was a big stone that was sitting at the on the mouth of the well. Yaakovinu asks them, Achai to my brothers, where are you from? And then he continues and he says, The day is still long, the day is still big. The meaning it's still like it's like two o'clock in the afternoon. The day there's still a lot more time to graze. It's not time yet to gather the sheep in like it's it's nighttime. It's still it's still very bright. Hashku hatzayin uluchuru. Go and can, go and give your sheep to drink, and then go and 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 continue grazing with them. But it's like it's like already uh, the day is over. All these sheep are you know the 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 shepherds are sitting around schmoozing. The sheep are just lying around there doing nothing. And Yaakov Avinu starts giving them really strong musr. If you look in Rashi, Rashi says, he's mamish reprimanding them. He says, If you're paid by the day, Well, then you didn't finish your job. You're getting paid by the day. You have a boss. The boss is giving you uh, $100 a day, let's say, to work for him. And you're only working three quarters of a day. There's still plenty of time in the day, and you're just you drop the ball. And he's basically accusing these guys of being a ganav. And yet they sort of were responsive to him for some reason. They said, you know, they were they were talking to him normally, and they explained to him how you know it's too heavy this this rock. So they're basically waiting to. Uh, uh, for all the shepherds to get together, only all the shepherds will be able to roll off the off the stone, 
And uh, but they were quite nice to him. And then we we know, of course, what happened that Rachel comes to the well, and Yaakov sort of just flicks off the stone like a like a bottle cap. He was very strong, and he just uh, you know he just like rolls it right off. Like it, what took twenty, what would normally take twenty strong, able-bodied shepherds to do, Yaakovina does it in one fell swoop. So the Panovich asks, how did he get away with this? How did Yaakov Avino criticize people and somehow it wasn't taken badly? They they accepted it well. They did not they didn't start, you know, screaming at him, throwing rocks at him, pushing him out of town. They were pretty civil with him, even though he basically accused them. He comes in from nowhere and he starts criticizing them, telling them how to do things. The Panevichirov makes the question a little bit more uh, realistic. He says, "Imagine if you uh, you're walking, uh, you know, in Tel Aviv, and you you pass by like a taxi uh, a taxi stand, and by the taxi stand there is a lot of uh, taxi drivers, and their car is all, their cars are all like just in park, and it's in the middle of the day, and they're just standing around, they're smoking and they're schmoozing and they're having a good time." Instead of working for the company that they're that they're hired to work for, they're just like loafing around doing nothing. And you walk over to them, and you say, "Guys, what are you doing? Are you crazy? You have a boss, and uh, and it's not time to pack up. It's in the middle of the day. A lot of people uh, need taxis today. It's a busy day, and you can't do this. And you know you're stealing." And he says, "Imagine what these Israeli taxi drivers would do to you. I mean, even when you act perfectly, they scream at you." But if you if you're if you're giving them musr, you know Allah's kama they'll they'll literally kill you. So how did Yaakovinu get away with this? How did he pull it off? He gave musr and they accepted it and they were nice to him afterwards. So the Panamit says Can you say first? Can you call them brothers first? Sorry? Can you call them brothers first before you just before you admonish them for not doing anything? Didn't Yaakov say it to the other shepherds? I can't really hear you. I'm sorry. Didn't, didn't Yaakov say to the other shepherds, Achai, and referred to his brothers first? Ah, oh, very good. So that's what the Panevich says. He says, if you notice, the first words that he started with, or the first word, is Achai me'ayinatem. He says, my brothers, where are you from? So Panevich says that if a person starts off a conversation with the word Achai, my brothers, then you could pretty much, you have a license to do anything after that, you know, within reason. If you start off with the charm offensive, if you, if you're, if you say, you call these shepherds, my brother, as soon as you say that, it creates an entire shift in the mood. All of a sudden, Yaakov Vino goes from being a stranger to being a brother, I care when you say the word brother with the right uh, effect, it carries with it like the weight that I care about you, I love you, I'm concerned about you, and anything that I'm going to be saying from now on is not being said in any way critically. It's being said with love and with caring, and and I'm genuinely concerned about you, about your welfare, about your elam habo. How are you gonna? Why are you doing this? And he says this is a very, very important lesson to learn. The Panevich himself 
was was very very adept at interpersonal relationships. You don't build the yeshiva of Panovich and go around the world raising millions and millions of dollars to keep it going unless you really are able to know the art of dealing with other people. And so he knew exactly how to talk to people. He knew exactly how to how to let people feel warm around him and and disarm them and dis and and you know and, and change any misconception that they may might have about a rabbi about a Haredi. He was very very able to tap into people's inner good, and there are countless stories about that. That was a point of a draw. But here, this is like an autobiographical vart. He says Achai. As soon as you say the word achai, you can say afterwards, you're ganavim, and you're, you know, what are you doing? Go, you, you know, you're this sheep now in the middle of the day. How can you do this? You're schireyayim. All of that is possible to be said, but it wasn't taken in a bad way because there was that opening salvo of achai. You're my brother. I care about you. And I think that we could take that part of the Panamishrov and plug it right into, into our parsha right over here. Yaakovina says, you're worried, you're saying, Hineni, like, I'm here, but I'm, I'm taking a bullet for you, Dad, because I don't think it's a good idea, I don't really think, think that it makes sense, how am I going to be able to do this mission, how am I going to be able to go and, and find out how the sheep are doing uh, when they want to kill me? He says, I'll tell you the Eitzah, the Eitzah is my Eitzah. He says, all you have to do is, you go and you give peace to your brother, and you start the conversation off that way, you disarm them, you, you, you make them make it very clear that we're letting bygones be bygones, I love you, you're my brother. As soon as you say that, now hopefully there'll be a thaw of the relationship and it'll warm up, and before you know it, you'll be able to do anything that you want with them, any musr, any questions that you have will be able to be dealt with, because they understand that now you're building a bridge. You're saying, Achai. Now, in case you're wondering, well, it didn't seem to work very well. I said it didn't work. It didn't work, right? The trick didn't work. But I think it really did work, but it was a little, it was too little, too late. If you look at the Pasuk, the Pasuk says uh, a little further down, it says that um, when Yaakov Avinu was looking for his brothers, he thought that they were in Shechem, but really they moved on to Daisan. The Pasuk says, he met somebody in the field, it was Gavriel, Rashi says, and he says, they said, what are you looking for? I'm looking for my brother, meaning I want to make peace with him, I want to start off with the Yaakov offensive. I want to start off by saying, Achai. Es achai I'm looking for my brothers now. And what was the response? The response was that he says, Nisu The response was, they moved on from here. And Rashi says, Hesiu atzma mina they moved on from the brotherhood, meaning the brother thing isn't—they're not that the brother card is not going to work with them anymore. That could work with strangers, or it could have worked maybe a couple of uh, you know a couple of dreams ago, but 
it's not working anymore. Nisu mizeh. They already were hesiu atzim and achai. I understand that you want to try this new technique called esachai anoichim evakesh, that you're looking for your brothers. But it's too little, too late. It's too... Nisu mizeh. They, they passed... This this is not going to work anymore. They're they're way beyond that. The brother thing is not resonating with them anymore. But in general, if things are not out of control, meaning obviously there are certain relationships, some brother relationships or friend relationships, that there's just too much bad blood that, you know, has passed between them that it can't... It can never really be salvaged, unfortunately. But a lot of times... There is, uh, there's some bad blood, there's some disagreements, but it's not, there's still room to start doing, uh, doing things in a, in a more positive way and, and, uh, you know, extending the olive branch and making peace and saying, uh, saying, and saying, and these are, this is uh, something that I think if we really are able to master the art of, uh, of Yaakov's approach to life, then um, we understand how powerful uh, our, our relationships can be and how, how we could really make friends uh, that, are, that we felt it was impossible to make. And there's a famous book called How to Make Friends and Influence People. By uh, Dale Carnegie, I, you know, I thought it was. I read it when I was a kid, and I thought it was like an old-fashioned book, and it's like you know, probably can't even get a copy of it anymore. But when I was in Eretz Yisrael uh, many years ago, maybe fifteen, ten, fifteen years ago, so we were staying in the Renaissance Hotel in the Ramada, and um, one night I was like, uh, I was in the lobby, and there was in one of the rooms off of the lobby, there was like a group of Hasidim. And and they were basically, um, it was, a, they paid money to have like a mentor that came in like I think one night a week. And it was basically a shear in this book, how to make friends in Hasidim, like real Haredish Hasidim. They were learning how to, how to use the knowledge of this book. It's like the last thing I would think in a million years Hasidim would be looking at, Dale Carnegie's Tyra. You know, not Breslov Tyra, not Lubavitch Tyra, not Vizhnitz Tyra, but Dale Carnegie's Tyra. But it's really something that is a universally needed thing to understand how to deal with people, how to speak to people. It's an art to be able to know how to say the right thing to people, how to open up another person's heart, how to, how to change, uh, you know, a, a situation that seems very frozen or very, uh, um, you know, toxic and to try to undo that if a person would would be able to master that then you could own the world if a person knows how to deal with people talk to people get people to be to be influenced by them and to be on their side there's no greater power than that i mean that's it that's the power of being a great salesperson, the, the power of great, being a great leader, a great CEO, a great politician, is all being able to be genuine and, and trying to talk to people in a way that they need to be talked to and to speak to their heart and to speak to their... And I think this is all found, the whole tamsis of all of these 
these books, you know, on, on interpersonal relationships and skills, I think is really in this Varda Lepanamichirov that we just mentioned. The primary thing that you have to do is when you meet somebody, you give them a smile, you say, you're my brother, you say, where are you from? You take a personal interest in the person, and as soon as you do that, you open their heart, you're kind of the person. Uh, a couple of years ago, I had an experience with a with a with a rabbi of a, of a certain. I was whatever. I was trying to help out a certain situation. A rabbi was being like very mean to a kid. It was a two way street. I mean, the kid wasn't being so great to the rabbi. This is a lower like a, like a, you know in in lower school grades, and you know the kid came home every night and felt the rabbi hated him, and. For the for the, and for the rabbi's part, he felt that the kid was a terrorist who was disrupting the class and uh, you know really making his job almost impossible because he kept on you know wreaking havoc and he was doing shtick and whatever. Which there's no you know there's no excuse for that either. And I was speaking to the rabbi to try to like build some bridges, and I said, "You're a thousand percent right. You need to control the class." And you need to do so, send them to the principal, whatever, kick them out. But the, the Aleph base of Chinuch, before you get to the discipline part of Chinuch and, and deal, the first thing is that the child has to feel that you like him. I have to feel that my Rebbe likes me, that my Rebbe feels I'm good. My Rebbe has confidence and my Rebbe believes in me. If they have that, then, you know, you could go on from there and you could build. But if, if they don't feel you like them, it's not a, it's not a pella that the kid is disruptive in class because he feels that, you know, the die is cast. You don't like him. You don't hold him. And so he feels like he could do whatever he wants because it doesn't really matter anyway. And, you know, and I think it sort of helped a little bit. But that's, it's so true in every relationship. It, it, it would work, you know, parents and children, a rabbi and a talmud, a boy and a girl on a shidduch date. There are guys that go on shidduch dates. They have no idea how to talk to a girl. They don't know how to say, you know, they, they just don't know how to be sweet, how to be nice, how to be a good listener, how to compliment at the right times. But if you learn the art of being able to just like go into a, a meeting, go into a relationship, go into a date, go into, you know, a, a, a boardroom, wherever it is that you're going, and just be able to say the right things and to and to give that warmth and exude that that feeling of brotherhood that feeling of friendship and confidence in in people around you that's the mark of leadership that's how you're able to make friends and influence people but it all has to start with achai that you're my brother i care about you if they feel that you really care you're genuine then you you own them. That's it. You got them. But if they feel that, you know, you're cold, you don't really like them, you don't enjoy, you're not a people person, you're not, you know, then you can do all the things you want, but it's not, you, you've, you, you don't have the ability to influence people because, because you're not, it's not believable. You're not, you're not genuine. But when you are genuine, you are, and you're able to go into an interview and shake the person's hand, look at them straight in the eye, and make them feel like you, you know, you get them, and that you care about them, you're not just here for yourself, you're here to, to build a relationship, then you can give musr, you can give teichacha, you can mess up things, but 
if you if you're able to have that underlying understanding that there is a brotherhood, that there is friendship, there's closeness, there's a relationship that that's being created here, then that is the that's the linchpin of any good of any smart uh, person. I think that, like in Eretz Yisrael, also, you know, there's so much um, tension that's simmering between the Chilonim and the Charedim, and it's like, you know, it's a problem that probably Mashiach is going to have to solve because it doesn't seem to be getting solved at all. You know, there's so much, you know, distrust and and you know, and there's there's a lot of history behind it. It didn't just happen in a in a vacuum. But you know, my daughter is. Uh, She's in seminary this year, my oldest daughter, and she, uh, she taught. She her seminary is on a main a main strip called Barilan in Yerushalayim. It's like one of the main you know thoroughfares. So she's a pedos. No. Oh. Um, but it's one of the main thoroughfares, and she says it's such a chil Hashem every single day, every day. Kimat, there's hafganot. There's these huge. Um, protests, protests, and uh, you know it's Hasidim or whatever yeshiva guys, and they're 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 stopping traffic and they're lighting uh, garbage trucks on fire. They're they're lighting uh, you know they're and and it's blocking traffic like the buses can't get through. I think they're complaining now about the light rail. They're extending the light rail, and uh, you know there's maybe Cholashav. I don't know what the what the but every day there's a different you know. There's a different reason to protest. And, you know, and my daughter is not a critical person, but she says, like, she smells, like, in her dorm room, every night there's, like, fires, there's smoke, there's, like, you know, screaming, there's people honking, and it's, like, it's it's an untenable situation. It's, it's, it's like, not normal. And obviously this is, you know, it's a much deeper problem, and there's... You know, there's so many layers to deal with, and and I don't know if anyone will ever be able to to solve it. But there, I think that if there would be a way to solve it, the only way to do it was is with this Yaakovino approach. There has to be the common understanding that we're brothers. If we can understand that a that a Chiloni and a Haredi are actually, you know, are are we're we're from the same people, from the same Shvatim, from the same Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov. We got the Torah together. We went through history together. We were killed in the Holocaust together. Only that way would we be able to ever break down the walls that that surround that 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 separate us. And you know, it's not really it's 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 not like we've never done it successfully. There's an organization in Israel called Leiv Laachim, and they have a, a a very high success rate. They're able to what they do is they they don't do hafkanot to get people from, I don't think any person ever became a Valchuba from, from, you know, being exposed to a, to a Hafgana, to getting, like, bombs thrown at them, and, you know, and, and canisters lit up, or, or whatever, but these, they're like Kailo guys in Yeshua Bachram, and they get bust into very Chiloni areas, or Kibbutzim, or Moshavs, and they go in, I don't know, why the Chilonim let them into their homes, 
but they go in and they schmooze them and they're nice to them and they see that they're normal and then they, you know, learn a little Gemara with them or, you know, they learn some Chumash and then they take the kids over to the side and they teach them some, uh, you know, stories from, from Tanakh and then they come back the next week and the next week and the next week and before you know it, there's like a Mapecha going on in Eretz Yisrael that there are hundreds and thousands of Chilonim that are becoming from. But that only happens with the Achai, when you could start off with that you're my brother, I care about you, I'm concerned about you, I want to teach you Tyra, that's the way it works. That's the way you influence people. The Any other thing just doesn't work. It would be great if it worked, if you could, you know, stop buses from going down Barilan and that would make, you know, thousands of people see see the light and become, you know, Shemr Shabbos, that's great. But it's not going to make... What are you protest? You're protesting to stop... Shabbos. But do you know how many people you're turning off from Shmir Shabbos because of it? This is the uh, the lesson, the basic derech eretz that a person has to have. Whoever you're talking to, it could be, it could be, um, you know, another chashava shemer mitzvahs. It could be somebody that's not yet a shemer mitzvahs. It could be somebody that you have to be nice to everybody that you meet. And I tell this to the kids all the time. You know, you have to just be nice. All you have to do is just be a mensch. Tell you a, a nice thing that we have a, a Minigan Lander College for men. Um, and my, I think it was after, maybe Binyamin was around uh, when we started this. I'm not sure. You, I think you were. Going back to, I think it was 2018 or 19. Um, so somebody had the great idea that on Thanksgiving morning, when the yeshiva is like already like a little bit because you know guys are going shiras early and then they go home for a long weekend. So we have uh, this guy came up with this idea. It's such a beautiful thing. Like mom, is, I think it's the nicest event of the whole year in Lander College with all of the Roshanim Kippur davening and the. Hanukkah Titian and the Purim and with a, this is the nicest event. I look forward to it a whole year. They have the dais in the dining room, you know, where normally the Rosh Hashiva would sit and all the Rabbeim would sit. And instead of all the Rabbeim and the Rosh Hashivas and everyone being on this long dais, you have all the janitors and the security guys in Lander. So you have Nixon and you have... Uh, uh, Alfredo, and you have Mark, and you have, uh, you know, Jonathan, and all, the whole Chevra, the whole, you know, maybe there's 15, 15, 20 guys, maybe, and they're sitting on the dais, like Rosh Yeshivas, like a Mayatzis convention, all the guys that are in Yeshiva, they sit, like, in the, in the regular bleachers, looking at them, and then, like, the student government president, you know, gives a beautiful speech about how, how we appreciate on Thanksgiving, we appreciate, like, all that you do, you know, you're the unsung heroes of yeshiva, without you, you know, there would, nothing would be happening, it would be unsafe, it would be unclean, and, you know, and they, these, these, these workers, they don't have any covet in life, they're very, you know, simple, they're very, have difficult lives, they're not making a lot of money, they get no covet, you know, they're not getting a mafter yaina anywhere, and, you know, and, and they're, they, you have to see pictures of them. They're, they're literally beaming with pride. Like, this is like a moment that they will, that they cherish, they live off of it for a whole year. 
what is it what is it already that we give them we give them you know a box of chocolates i think and a little a little card that says thank you but it doesn't matter who this this is something that works with everyone that you meet in life if you can tell them thank you and you tell them i appreciate you tell them you're my brother and i and you you sort of like try to get into their world a little bit and try to allow them to understand that you sincerely, genuinely care about them and their situation, now it's a different world. You're not going to have a, a, any, any friction with these people. You're not going to have animus. You're not going to have uh, tension and like, you know, because there's now a respect, there's a love, there's a brotherhood. And when a person is able to start out a relationship that way, now everything will, the ice has been broken and, uh, and now you're able to do anything that you want. You'll be a, your, your employees will, will, will do whatever you ask them to do and your spouse will do anything that you ask them to do and your friends and your family because, because they appreciate you. I, you're giving them musty, you're giving them chores, you're, that's fine because I know that you care about me. I know that you're, you're doing this out of concern, out of love, out of appreciation. So uh, you could do this with me. You can't do this with me if you're, if you're abusive to me, then I'll quit. But if you're, if you're giving me the love and the attention and the importance that, that I deserve, now that's it. Now you own me. That's it. We have a relationship and I'll do what I, whatever you need me to do, I'll do. All of this brilliance that you know we think is was developed in the in the twentieth century by by Gaim, by Dale Carnegie and the like was all already in the Tyra we find in this week's parsha when we have Eshlema Chacha Veshlem Atzayim Eshlema Chacha Veshlem Atzayim we have Achaim and Atem we have Esachay and Oifim this constant refrain of just acknowledging brother or just saying you're my brother i love you i care about you and then you watch what happens and every time it's tried unless again like we said unless it's already a foregone conclusion that you don't feel that you're my brother then it might be too late but while there's still opportunity to make that first impression and you use that time to say how much you care about how you know you give a compliment and you say you're my brother that is it you have just now influenced as many people as you want with one simple word, and that's the word, Achai.